Putting that into context, I do feel I make mistakes um, all the time. Learn from them. Treat yourself as a holistic human being. Because again, when you train, you think about what food I eat. How many hours do I sleep? What are the type of activities that I do? What am I wearing, right? Because everyone that works in a corporate environment know that we have way too many meetings. Yesterday, my daughter said, stop rushing me. And I said, maybe I also need to, to rush less at work, right? I don't have that fear of failure in the actions that I do on a day-to-day basis. For you to be at your best and to achieve the best result, whether it's in a marathon or whether it's at work, is to have... Welcome to Sports and Outdoor Mentors. In this episode, I chat with Noah Perry Reefer, the Chief People Officer at ON. Noah has a passion for people and has put that passion to great use throughout her career within the manufacturing, business consulting, and now sporting goods industry. I chat with Noah about the key moments through her career, where her passion for people came from, and how she deals with failure, plus much, much more. Before we jump into the episode, I have one favor to ask. Please hit the subscribe button. This helps us to continue to grow the channel, elevate the content, and bring you more insights from other great leaders from the sports and outdoor industry. Thanks for your support and enjoy the episode. Noah. Hello. Looking back over your career, what are the key moments that brought you to where you are today as the chief people officer of a global brand of now over a billion Swiss francs and I think now more than 2,000 employees around the world? So. What were the key moments, would you say, that got you to here? Yeah, so I think um, actually the key moments are probably before my career even started. So if I go back to my childhood, uh, my parents, especially my mom, she always says, no, when we entered different places or we, you had different tasks, you were never really interested about the task or even about the place itself. You were just interested about the people. So who is in the room, what are they doing, how they're feeling. And these are things that I started to think about early on uh, as a child. It continued um, to be a big theme of mine as a a teenager when I was in the Scouts. Uh, And then of course, in in the different studies. Um, I think I have have the luxury of being part of different companies in my career, different industries as well. So from consulting to banking and now um, the sports industry. Uh, And I feel that through that diverse experience, I can uh, bring together many different aspects that would be valuable for for a place like On. Mm -hmm. And where where do you think that I don't want to overplay it, but that passion for people came from. I mean, because that's really interesting yeah. that your mum even spotted it yeah. at an early age. I mean, it, it's a good question. I I don't know exactly where this came from, but from a very early age, I remember myself saying that people are basically the power of everything we do. And now if I think about the place that I'm in, I definitely know that in order for us to create this amazing product and in order for us to achieve our mission as a company, it is so important to put the 
people aspect and the cultural aspect as one of the biggest priorities. And I'm lucky to work in a company that really does it. Uh, but I think this was really how that interest came to life. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that it is, we have such a huge opportunity to help people, develop people, make people achieve things to basically achieve different goals in our life, whether it's um, education or whether it's how to be a better parent, how to be a better partner and how to be a better professional. It doesn't matter in what type of environment. Uh, It is just so important for us to think about these things and to be very intentional about these things as well. And you you already touched on this. You studied psychology and um, behavior and business yeah. in your uh, back in your uh, teenager and I guess early twenties. Um, when you look back at that, is there anything specifically that you can think that you you took away that has been relevant or is rather relevant to what you do today? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that combination of psychology and business was something that is extremely important and is also something that drives me today in my role because for of course psychology is all about the the human and is all about the the individual that is in a certain situation and then the business aspect is connecting the human and connecting the individual situation with with the business with the company with the team with the business goals Um, and I think for anyone that is in that people function it is just so important to never disconnect both to always think about the business in context of people and to always think about people in the context of business Um, and probably i didn't know that when i decided to study these two but now i see how valuable this is to achieve the people agenda to achieve the business goals that you have and what it's interesting actually look you know listening to you speak and thinking about what you studied okay i guess the psychological psychology side is clear because as you said your your early uh passion for people or human let's say but what where did the business side come from was that something that was in your mind that ultimately you wanted to get into business or yeah where did that come from I always knew I wanted to support the people side of things, but within a business context. Uh, and this is why I chose to do to do both. Um, I think there is a huge power for companies and for businesses to make an impact, again, not only on the actual business, but also on the people that are part of that business. So if you take on as an example, we have around 2000 people that work at ON. So this is a huge power that we have, a huge power, but also a responsibility. We're responsible for many of the elements within the lives of these 2000 people. And then we have the impact that we create on people outside of ON, whether it's our fans, our customers, our partners, um, maybe through our also social impact um, programs. So. I always knew that the influence on people is something that I want to do in a business context. Um, and 
this is why I, I went there. So I have to say not everything was planned in my career. It sounds like probably people are listening to that. I was like, hey, you knew what you want to study and you knew where you want to get to. So I can promise I did not know I will live in Switzerland um, and, 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 and work it on. But I did know very early that I want to have a combination of people and business. And this is something that I kept throughout my career. In those early days, were you ambitious or would you have considered yourself ambitious at that age? I think I was ambitious in kind of the university years. Uh, I think I was very ambitious to, to work and to get my hands dirty, maybe slightly less ambitious towards the actual studies because I was very fast to, okay, I learned something I now want to test that and I want to try that in a work environment. So very early on, I think first year of undergraduate, I already did interns. I already tried to work in every moment that I had to try and test things. Uh, so I ha yeah, so I was ambitious, uh, but more on the professional side versus the educational side. Now I missed the educational side a bit more and I was like, oh, I would love to learn a bit more. I'm a big believer that we all probably learn as much from our failures as we do from our successes and and also from observing others and at least in my experience i felt i feel like i've learned a lot from what people have done where i haven't necessarily been aligned with what they've done i think somehow whether it's a personal failure or a behavior of somebody else that you're not aligned with that those sometimes seem to be the stronger lessons as you you mentioned you so you've uh, you've be worked in consultancy, you've worked in banking, in, in HR positions. So when you look back over your career before on, are there times where either you've experienced kind of personal failure or that you've reflected on behavior of, of others and felt, okay, this is a learning opportunity for me. And, and, you, and what did you kind of take away from that? If there were. Yeah. I mean, I feel I make mistakes all the time. If I was just trying to to think when you started to talk about failures, about my recent failure. Uh, and I remember last week I was in New York and I, uh, one of the team members in diversity and inclusion uh, called me and we talked about something and uh, she gave me a certain feedback. And then uh, after two minutes, I called her back and I was like, hey, you know what, you were right, and I should have done that differently. Um, and I really feel I learned from that. And I really feel there are a lot of takeaways I can take to the next time I deal with something similar to that. So I think putting that into context, I do feel I make mistakes um, all the time. The tricky part is to learn from them. And to learn from them, I think the first step that you need to do is actually to admit these mistakes and you need to admit them because then you need to picture in your mind what was the mistake and what can you learn from that and the only way to do that is to really admit these these mistakes so so i yeah i have i have many of these mistakes i have many of many of these examples i think this is also something that we try to bring to on and it's not always easy but we feel we are a company that wants to challenge the status quo. And we ask every individual that is part of the team, when you come to work every day, 
don't take things for granted. Try to challenge how we do things. Try to challenge how we build a product. Try to challenge how we do finance. Try to challenge how we do marketing. The only way for people to challenge how things are done is by trying. And the only way for people to try is to not be afraid of making these mistakes. So like you, I am and on is a place where we really believe in that need to make these mistakes and to learn from them. I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, but I think oftentimes, especially in larger organizations, yeah. they're maintaining a, a attitude or a mindset of giving people the confidence almost or the freedom to be able to fail, mm -hmm. I think is mm -hmm. quite difficult because I, I, well, I think you know, the example that you gave, you're the colleague that you, you know, phone back, okay, you've set an amazing example for that person because now he or she must be, okay, well, you know, if Noah is able to, uh, you know, hold her hand up, hold her hand up, then, you know, okay, so can I. But I think it's tough to kind of build a culture around that sort of approach. So how do you, how do you try and, uh, yeah, deliver that same message and that approach to, to 2000 people of which, I think if my research is correct, well over 60% are not based in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the interaction with the, the leadership team, let's say, is, is probably not that regular in those cases. So, yeah. Hey, it, it's extremely tough. I agree with you. It is extremely tough and it's even more difficult when you're more, when you're more global, when you're a bigger company, it is more difficult if there are new joiners, right? And, you know, we hire so many new people every month. To, to, to our team and these are new people that start and of course they want everything to go perfectly. So you're completely right to say that it is difficult. We prioritize that as part of our culture and as part of our values and spirits. So we don't forget how important it is. And as part of that, we also fail many times, but the way we're trying to impact this is by setting that as an example. And you mentioned that phone call back. If that was the only example I had, then of course we would not be able to, to achieve that as part of the culture, but we expect every leader and every person to do exactly the same to create that culture. Because you can write it very nicely on walls here, hey, please fail and let us know, but it will, be in the wall, but it won't be part of the work. So setting that as an example is key. And then the other thing is that you need to set an environment where people feel comfortable doing that. And that example is important, but also um, the psychological safety that you have within the relationships is extremely important. So we work a lot on topics of trust, on topics of feedback. Um, and we are, again, extremely intentional about that to be able to create that trusted relationship to allow for these conversations to happen. I, I hope that you can really, as you continue to grow, yeah. as I have no doubt you will, yeah. that you can maintain that because it's, I think it's so powerful, yeah. but it's, yeah, I think it's so difficult to maintain. So It's very difficult. And I, I, you know, today I interviewed someone and they asked me, what is your biggest challenge in your role? And, and I get that questions, question many times. And it's funny because the answer to that question 
never changed since I joined on in the last six years. Um, because of course there are different topics that can be a challenge, right? Year end process, feedback process, you know, recruiting, but these are not the biggest challenge. These are projects that we can always overcome. But the biggest challenge, the umbrella of all these projects is to keep and maintain this culture and to adapt it when we need to adapt it in that growth phase and in that growth journey. I remember um, when we were a thousand people, we were sitting in a room, I think it was pre-IPO, and I remember we said, oh, how can we possibly keep this culture? And you know, we said, maybe it's not possible, but we said we're going to fight for it even more to make that possible. And this is the challenge that we need to think about every day to make that possible. And we're continuing to think about it every day. So we don't, we stay true to our DNA and who we are. What about other challenges that you face during this period of massive growth? Is there anything else that maybe was, was surprising to you? Maybe something that you didn't necessarily expect would be a challenge and it was. Is there anything else that stands out? Mm -hmm. And how, and then how did you kind of, deal with that. So maybe I'll, I, can, I can bucket it into into two, maybe cultural challenges and content challenges from a, so I would say from a, from a cultural challenge, I think what came very clearly with the work on that, keeping the core DNA of our culture is that you need to be very specific on what is the culture you want to create and you need to make some tough choices on the culture that you want to create and it used to be that you know we need to find you know that's how i learned like you need to find a culture that you know will kind of make everybody feel comfortable and that will tap into different ways of working. And this is all true to a certain extent, but to really maintain and keep the culture and stay true to who you are, you also need to make some tough choices because there is no good or bad company culture. Very rarely there are bad company cultures, but there are different company cultures. And to distinguish yourself, you need to make these tough choices. And these tough choices are not always easy to make, but they're necessary. So I think this is one thing that is very important. Um, maybe an example uh, to that is, um, you know, we have a spirit, one of our values that is called team spirit. And many companies have like a team spirit or a team value. I would say almost every company has it. You need to work as a team. You need to respect each other. In a very intentional way, we decided that for us, a team spirit is not like working in a family. In a family, you choose uh, sorry, in a family, you don't choose who 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 you, who you have as part of your family. There is probably more hierarchy, right? There are the parents, there are the children. We said we're not a family, but we're a sports team. And what does it mean to be a sports team? In a sports team, it means that you help each other when people are struggling, when people are injured, but you also hold each other accountable very much, right? And I think these are the different elements where we become very intentional on what do we mean by having a team spirit. Yeah. Um, and then to the content challenge, 
I think given the growth, I would say that we as a business, we're trying to, we're exploring new ways of doing business all the time. So on started mainly from a wholesale business, then we moved more into uh, e-com and only recently we expanded our own retail business. So from a people and cultural perspective, this is a completely new business for us. How do you bring the culture that I talked about so much to a retail environment, to the people who are, you know, selling our product on the floor in in around the world? So this is just an example of 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 the different business models or the different expansion ways that we need to now translate into our people and culture agenda. So how do you do that? I mean, without wanting to go <laughs> into the minute detail, yeah. but I think it's a really interesting point around, especially that transition to physical retail, mm-hmm. because with e-com, probably many of those people are, are still based exactly. at headquarters. Exactly. But obviously with your store in London and I think New York, yeah. uh, you know, it, that starts to be really difficult. So what's, are there any kind of lessons that you've learned over the last few years in doing that, that, uh, yeah. that maybe is fine tuning the, the approach for yeah. future stores? Like you said, you're, you're kind of adapting as you go. Yeah, we're still, we, exactly. We're adapting as, as we go and we're still figuring it out. I think what came, what we now realize is that there are some elements that, again, are part of our DNA and it doesn't matter where you work, how you work, what is your role, what type of employment you have, that we need to keep um, as, as a strong core element. However, the way that these come to life have to be different. Um, so if we now um, introduce... Um, a new way to manage performance or a new way to do feedback or um, a way where people can take their holidays. The reason for us to do that should be the same reason, right? It's it's because of our DNA, it's because of our culture, but the way you bring it to life has to look different. And if you try to do it in the same way, then A, it will not be successful and B, it will then move out of your core DNA and will not serve your culture. So I guess that the why, the why are you doing something should stay the same, no matter in what employment type you work at, but the what and how can very much look different and it will only serve you well if you create that different what and how, because then at least the why will stay the same, which is the most important. And I guess uh, that must also apply somehow to just general cultural differences yes. between different countries. Exactly. You know, exactly. especially between, let's say, Asian cultures um, and Western cultures, yeah. which obviously can be yeah. very different. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I mean, that, that's exactly right. So um, if we take an example around feedback, because I spoke to about it a few times, let's say a company believes in candid feedback. Um, so then people could say, hey, how could you have candid feedback in Japan and in China and in the US and in Switzerland and, and say, hey, we all have a culture of candid feedback. So yes, you can, because you believe in candid feedback, but candid feedback in China and in Switzerland is going to look different. So what we need to do as a company in that example is to go and to 
ask ourselves, what does it mean to have a candid feedback culture in China? And this is what we need to strive for. What we cannot do is expect that candid feedback in China to be the same that it that it is in Switzerland. Yeah. I think the the distinction you made there around the family approach to team spirit and the the team or the sports team approach makes yeah complete sense because I've worked in environments where it it's had more of the family yeah. and that can lead to challenges because yeah. they're you know the interpretation of that can be yeah very personal and you know the way you behave with your family is definitely not the same way you would behave with your teammates in a sports team. Yeah. Um, and the, I think it probably comes down to that accountability as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the sports team um, example actually serves us very well in, in, in many different areas because also if you look at well-being as a, as a topic that is so important for so many companies, what we talk a lot about is recovery because... Um, Again, I'm not a professional athlete, but I learn a lot about this topic from professional athletes. One of our founders was a professional athlete. And what he speaks a lot about is not actually the the, the training, but the recovery. So the coach, re, when, when the coach builds a training plan as there is a recovery included in that training plan, whether it's a short recovery, so there is like a one day where you don't run, whether there is a longer recovery when there is a bit of a pause in all the trainings that are happening. And and we believe in that also in a, in a, in a working environment. So for you to be at your best and to achieve the best result, whether it's in a marathon or whether it's at work, is to have these recoveries um, and to treat yourself as a holistic human being because again when you train you think about what food i eat how many hours do i sleep what are the type of activities that i do what am i wearing right so it's a it's a holistic approach to that and the same has to happen as well for us as individuals in a professional or in a working environment you cannot isolate that anymore and this is how we want to support people to think about themselves at on and outside of on. This is this needs to be more of a holistic uh, approach to, to, to how people live their lives. That transitions nicely to my next question. Oh, good. You obviously have a very, you know, senior important role as chief people officer here. You're also a wife and a mother of three ch children. What are the kind of non-negotiables for you to, to maintain a good balance between those three, you know, important responsibilities? Probably the non-negotiable is that I feel good with what I do. Um, I can say that there are no rules in the sense of, you know, I need to be uh, in four mornings or three afternoons. Like this doesn't always work because there are some moments where I want to be more. There are some moments that I feel I need to be less. But I would say that that flexibility um, allows me to then ensure that I personally feel that I'm in the right balanced place. And I don't always feel that I'm in the right balanced place. And then I need to correct it. And I think this is the most important thing that I've learned that there is a lot of responsibility on me 
to correct the balance. And I think the minute that you decide that the responsibility sits with someone else, whether it's your employer or your manager or your partner or your kids, then it doesn't work. So the responsibility has to be on the person who wants to set that balance or that integration or habits to make that work. Um, And it's a, I I would call it, it's a constant uh, battle or it's a constant uh, thing to manage, but I know that I need to do that. Uh, And I know that if I do that and if I pay attention to it, then then it then it works but i think that the approach of reflecting on yourself of okay how do i act i think that's though as relevant in professional life as well you know it's uh i think it's it's all too easy to point the finger at somebody else or to your colleague or to your company you know i hear it a lot you know i'm not happy okay but then you know what are you doing about it yeah. you know it's it's your choice you know you control it um so yeah no really interesting is there anything that you know when maybe the balance isn't quite right do you working in a sports company you know do you use sport as a way to maybe help you reset and and you know find a better balance so you're looking after yourself as well you said you know for you it's about feeling good yeah yeah i think for me you know sports definitely help me so i think uh i i I do train and i tend to really not compromise on that despite very busy and challenging days so i think that's one thing and then the other the other component where i i spoke about when we spoke about that athlete uh, topic is these recoveries um i think when when things are very busy and there was so much to do you you know i at least can tend to not focus on 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 the big picture and just taking a few days or even a day for yourself to think okay what are the things that i need to 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 do differently to find that balance in a better way um really really helps really really helps me and uh and energizes me as well and a lot of great people in the company to discuss that with right so a lot of uh, there are many parents here uh, of young kids doesn't matter if they're moms or their dads and you know we all share that that challenge and and we all discuss that and we all try to to support each other in that journey so i know you uh you don't like to multitask true <laughs> did i tell you that no but i did my research <laughs> <laughs> So um, I have this thing about kind of personally about focusing, doing one thing and doing it really well. But in this age with, you know, digital tools that mean we're connected kind of all the time, it's more and more difficult. Do you any tips on how to avoid that? I have so many tips. I don't live them myself all the time, but I live some of them. So first of all, no notifications. So I don't have email notifications. I don't have uh, like uh, Slack or IM notifications as well on my phone. Um, I think these are not helpful, not when you're home, but also not when you work. So I think that's kind of the 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 first uh, good tip to try and not multitask. Uh, I think I think the second one is to, especially in meetings, because I think when people multitask the most they multitask when they're in meetings because everyone that works in a corporate environment know that 
we have way too many meetings. Then we try to reduce the amount of meetings. We're not able to reduce the amount of meetings. So we say, okay, I'll just work when I'm in the meeting. So the first thing is if you work and you're in the meeting, then maybe it's better that you're not in that meeting because it's not that important for you. And if, if, if you decide to, to be in that meeting, then the incremental gain of that meeting will be way, way higher if you are fully attentive. So what I really try to do, and again, I'm not always successful, so I fail there as well, but is, is to, to never send emails, send messages, look at the phone while I'm in different meetings. Um, I think the win in, in that context is huge for the quality of the meeting, the quality of interaction, that psychological safety that we we mentioned and your ability to deep dive into some of the nuances, whether it's a relationship nuance or whether it's a content nuance that can very much help you to then um, achieve a better outcome yeah. for that meeting. Uh, so I think that is, uh, a, an, I would say a big, big, big game changer. Yeah. I agree. In my new life, I don't have to worry about this anymore. But in my in my old life, in in corporate roles, it used to drive me crazy when other people yeah. were doing it. Though, yeah. How do you manage that? Does it bother you, or are you able just to, to kind of detach yourself if other people are doing it? I tend to give feedback. I tend to give feedback when I see that. Um, I mean, you know, I cannot control how people manage their day-to-day -day life uh, but I do tend to give feedback when I see something uh, and I think again in an on environment people are receptive to that feedback and they respect these feedback and I saw at least in my team I saw some really positive uh, shifts in that direction and one of the key aspects of it is to have the right people in the room for meetings because when you have the right people in the room for the meetings and each person feels like they are essential for that discussion then the focus will be much higher but if you have a meeting with 10 people and only four people really need to be there the quality of attention immediately um, reduces. Super good advice. Super <laughs> good advice. Normally when companies grow at the, the pace that On has, you know, when they get to a certain size and probably at several points throughout their growth, they tend to start to put into place more policies, more processes, more rules, guidelines. I know you've somehow at On pushed against that. Can you share the benefits that you see of that approach and also if there's anything where it's been more difficult than you expected to to kind of take that approach yeah i think that um i think i mentioned that earlier um as you as as you as you well said we're a company that grows fast and with that high pace growth we add a lot of people to our team and um when we were a thousand people, I remember we sat down and we said, okay, what do we need to do to maintain this culture? And we did probably the counterintuitive instead of becoming maybe more hierarchical, more formal to add more rule, to add more boundaries. We said, oh, we actually need to take some of them away for us to ensure that we, we stay true to who we are. Um, and the reason for that is that we believe that people have the power to 
to make the right choices and to make the right decisions. And if people have the power to decide how the next shoe is going to look like or how the next piece of apparel is going to look like, they should also have the power to decide when they can take vacation, just as an example. Um, and even the word, if you think about the word empower, the word empower is people used to have power, you took them away and now they you empower them. But we hire people and we don't want to take power from them. We want to continue for them to have the power. So we decided to do certain kind of changes to to the way we control our people to have even less control. Now, it works for us, but why does it work? It works for us because, first of all, we spend a lot of time in hiring the right people, so ensuring that there are people that can really live in this type of environment. And again, it's not good or bad. There are some people who this environment doesn't fit them. They maybe need to have more processes. They need to have more rules. That chaos is something that is difficult for them to deal with, and that's totally fine. But we need to spend a lot of time to ensure that we have the right people that can deal with that need to use that self-judgment all the time. And then the second part is uh, spending time and effort in the development of individuals. So supporting them to navigate that, whether it's in the onboarding, whether it's our, our leadership efforts. So that's the second part. And then lastly, probably when people don't act in the right way, so their self-judgment is the wrong self-judgment, th then this is where you really need to act on it. Um, and if we take the vacation example, many companies uh, introduce that unlimited vacation uh, policy. And what happened to many of these companies, and by the way, that was like my biggest fear when we introduced that, is that people took less vacation. Because now it wasn't, oh, you're entitled to 30 days of holidays. Like you can take as many vacation days as you want. So people were we're afraid to take these vacation days. For us, we see improvement in taking vacation days. And the reason is that it is a policy in, or in the right culture and in the right context. And we see leaders acting on that. We see leaders doing exactly the same. And we see people um, challenging each other on, 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 taking, on taking these vacation days. It's not perfect everywhere here, so I don't want people to listen to say everything is for perfect. We, we, we have our challenges, but it can never be like a slogan. You can just take as many vacation days as you want because that would not work either. You've also worked in much larger organizations. I mean, uh, it, was, it was Goldman Sachs, yes. right? It was the bank, yeah. So I think if I, something well over 50,000, I think employees yeah. globally. And I'm, and I don't know, but I'm assuming that that environment is has much more policies, much more processes, much more rules and guidelines. Mm -hmm. So you've lived, let's say, two probably quite contrasting examples. When you think about the journey that you're on and will, I'm sure, continue to go with on, do you see any risks with um, maintaining the approach that you have now, based on what you've kind of experienced and learned? Mm -hmm in previous, previous roles? I think it is important to 
adapt when you need to adapt because also if you stay too true to your DNA and you don't change and adapt then then that DNA will not hold anymore so I think what we do um, so as an example we are now planning uh, a lot for our next growth journey so from now till 2027 and a core element of that planning is what do we need to maintain in our culture and what are the elements that we need to adapt and we are definitely looking into elements that we need to adapt but again we will adapt only if the why is the right why and not just because we're growing because growing is not a good enough reason to change your culture it needs to be something beyond that. And then we will definitely need to adapt. We cannot be married to any anything we did in the past. And, you know, this is this is why we are an innovation company. It's not only because of the actual product, but it's also about how we can innovate in the way we run the business. And it could be, you know, there are many examples around supply chain logistics. Um, there are examples on on how we do marketing and there are examples how, on how we do talent as well. So you've spoken before that there isn't any one person that's necessarily influenced you professionally over your whole career. And that actually it's more about the people that are around you every day influencing you. So if you think about the people around you today, and we're not today, but you know what I mean, yeah. head on, and all of those different nationalities you have. It, what's the most surprising thing you've learned from, from anybody in the business? Is there something that stands out that has really shocked you or just surprised you something yeah i learn so so much every day i learn from people uh at on i learn from from my family i even learn from 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 my kids uh on a on a daily basis yesterday my daughter said stop rushing me and i said oh maybe I also need to, 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 to rush, less, rush less at work, right? So I think I, I learned a lot as well from home. I would say that connected to that rush, um, one thing that I admire in, in many people um, at on that I work with, um, you know, whether it's, 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 it's the CEO or, or the CEOs or, or, or my peers, is that ability to take the time to make the right decision and and not to rush the decision because if you think about decision making which is something that every executive needs to deal with on a daily basis you basically judge decision making which is a big term in in the corporate world um, by the quality of the decision and how the decision has been made and i think what i learned quite a lot at on is that sometimes to make the right decision so the quality of the decision you need to pause you need the time and you need to stop yourself from driving too much to some of the conclusions and when you're responsible for people and for culture it is very easy to jump to conclusions very fast because these people told me that and these people feel that and then you know you become emotional and you want to act on it and you want to help so just by pausing and thinking a bit uh, I think this is something that makes the, the reaction uh, um, probably a more rounded reaction and at the end a better quality reaction as well also linked to the fact that you know you're 
overseeing the people. Probably on the flip side of that is sometimes maybe the people thinks that things are going too slow because I've experienced this in the past. So then do you sometimes also feel pressure from the people to actually move quicker or is that not something that i mean there are certainly some times where people you know waiting for an answer or they want something to happen and they want i think you know i think in general um maybe two things around that is first of all you will never make everyone happy and i think we always need to remember that and the second thing that is very much connected to that you need to really believe in in the reason that you're doing things in in that certain way and communicate it. Um, so I very much understand if there is a radio silence and people don't know what's happening, why that can be frustrating. But if you communicate the, the why to that, that already can create an environment where at least people know. Maybe they disagree, but at least people know. So I, I've been lucky enough to work in the sports and outdoor industry for almost 30 years now and I'm I'm still prized and disappointed about the the number of women in senior leadership positions within the industry as a whole um, it's getting better but it's getting better very slowly when you joined the industry or six years ago did you have any reflections on why that might be the case why why is it still generally quite a male-dominated? I'm t- here. I'm really talking about the senior leadership level because it tends to be at, at slightly more junior levels. It tends to be a lot more balanced, yeah. but at the senior leadership level, it's still generally not not great mm-hmm. and a long way from being equitable. Yeah, I think add on specifically um, our management team level, which is the senior layer. Um, I, you know, I don't have the exact numbers now, uh, but I think it's 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 around half half. So we have uh, half uh, women, half men. I think the why is very much connects to to the wider industry or, or, or to the wider world. I don't necessarily think there is a a specific reason for only the sports industry. What I can say that is extremely important, and I know it's a bit of a buzzword where you say, hey, if you have senior leaders that represent a certain minority, then it would be much easier to then have people at lower levels with that minority. Um, So you need to ensure that you have a diverse population at the top leadership for it to be trickled down. Um, So I know that is a kind of a buzz word or buzz thinking. I've really seen that come to life at on and I can say it is the most important thing that companies need to do. The only way to be diverse, whether it's race, ethnicity, gender, you name it, is to have that diversity at the very top. And this is the only way for people to feel that sense of belonging and that sense of ability to look up and to feel to feel part of. Um, so that's, that's extremely important. I think connected specifically to this uh, kind of sports industry, you have diversity, but then connected to diversity is inclusivity. And it is extremely important to build um, a company that is truly inclusive. And it could be, again, this is a complete um, assumption, but it could be that in some of the sports brands, the inclusivity is actually not there. So maybe it's easier to create a diverse team, but for that team to feel that 
sense of inclusion is something that is missing. And it could be by the, the way um, discussions are being held. It could even be by the type of activities that, 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 that are part of the day-to-day um, reality of different companies. So again, if you want to strive for diversity, the best thing that you can do is to ensure there is inclusivity for that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, yeah, I've experienced exactly that, where I think from a, a cultural perspective, it's it can be in some companies difficult for people that aren't in the let's say the the native culture if you like um to fit in and then their attention becomes a problem and then it's it's a vicious circle um but it's it's still surprising to me that whether as to because to your point it's not just a gender topic this is this is clear but it's also been pretty well proven that from a financial performance point of view you know, companies perform better as well when, again, just at the senior leadership level, you know, it's more diverse. But it's it's still, yeah, it's still, I think we still have a long way to go. I think one of the programs or one of the initiatives I've heard a lot about is mentorship programs. So mentoring um, uh, women and minorities to kind of help them um, evolve and and reach those roles. Is that something that that you've looked at or put in place here or experienced in previous life? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the reality is that, you know, you are sitting here in a C-suite role, which is still, a, a, unfortunately, a, re, re, a reasonably rare thing. Mm-hmm. So as a woman, mm-hmm. um, not on specifically, yeah. but I mean, generally. Yeah. So I, have you experienced anything like that or is there anything that you've, you've benefited from over the mm-hmm. years? Mm-hmm. Actually, I was, uh, fortunate to to have some mentors throughout my life and throughout my career. Some of them were more official mentors, and some of them were really unofficial mentors, and and just people that I uh, trust and that can 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 be amazing sounding boards for some of of my challenges. Uh, um, I still have mentors. Uh, I think um, this whole topic of um, discussing some of the some of the challenges that you have um, opening up to some people helping people helping yourself through others to navigate some of the milestones that you have is extremely is extremely important Um, I think beyond mentorship something that helped me a lot is is peers so um, as you said you know women struggle many times in, in, in work environments, right? And I think the fact that some some of my peers, some of my best friends at on are women um, at my level with kids or without kids that have sometimes very similar struggles and I can pick up the phone or go for drinks with and discuss that is something that really, really helps me because again, it, it touches on that inclusivity topic that is just so important. Um, so I think this is something that helps me a lot. I think at On as well, we've um, established something that we call inclusion groups. It's it's pretty similar to employee resource groups uh, that many companies have. And, um, and I think it, it came as a very um, natural initiative where different groups started to, to come together. And we definitely have one for women. We have a uh, 
others, uh, for, for different groups. And and I see the benefit of these as, as just a group of like-minded people. But again, these inclusion groups, it's not only important for them to support each other, they also have the role of informing and educating people that are not part of that inclusion group so they understand what it feels like to be part of that and i think that's extremely important as well so do you think that there's is there something that stands out other than what we've just what you've just mentioned that as an industry we should do to better promote women and minorities into leadership roles is there anything that is like oh you know I, I would love to see this i think it's important to think about the a little bit the hiring approach and what what is the criteria for people to work in different sports brands so as an example if we were only to hire people who run just i'm, I'm, I'm like giving an example that might be a bit more extreme, but if we only hire people who run, who are runners, we would never be able to be a a diverse company, right? So we hire people that connect to our mission, which is igniting the human spirit through movement. So people need to believe in the power of movement, but there are different types of movement and we will not be prescriptive of you need to be a runner, you don't need to be a runner. So if I now try to take the the sports industry, it is extremely important to think about um, almost like the, the, the connection to the brand and what is that connection and is that uh, that you need to 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 do a certain activity or to look in a certain way. And hopefully when people really think about it, they understand that you don't necessarily need to do a certain activity or to look in a certain way to be in a certain position. And you only need to have that as part of the requirements if this is something that would support the actual day-to-day job. So more on a more general basis, if you knew you weren't gonna fail, would you do anything or differently? I have to say, that I don't have that fear of failure in the actions that I do on a day-to-day basis. What I do have sometimes is that worry of disappointing some people. And I think that if that would disappear, then maybe there were some actions that I would do slightly differently. Is that professionally but because i wonder because i think this is now starting to get a bit deep now but i think on a personal level sometimes you know it's the same thing yeah you know whether it's family partner children you know that kind of i think that's a really good way of putting that fear of disappointing yeah i I think i think it's i don't think you can split it to professional and to personal because at the end what you have here in a professional environment relationships and what you have outside of the professional environment is also relationships and part of um, relationships is that mutual accountability it's that disappointment it's that encouragement it's all these feelings that you have um, and that worry of disappointment for me can be in any any relationship that I have whether it's with family friends work colleagues 
as long as you truly care about the person, then that is a relationship that would have that disappointment. So, so what would you do differently? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. It's. It, I guess it's. It's not a. It's not a one uh, example. But I think. I think you know sometimes just ensure. You know, I I I, I try to really ensure that um, people feel feel part of and feel comfortable with many of the decisions uh, you make and. Um, did it? This is a worry that sometimes can, perhaps, slow me down, or sometimes can can change the way I do things. Um, and I think if that wasn't the case, then maybe there are some some stuff that I would do slightly different. What is your favorite piece of sports or outdoor gear? And you're not allowed to say <laughs> anything from on. That's way too easy. Anything from on. I, I really only wear outdoor pieces and sportswear pieces from on. Really? Of course. No, uh, but whatever. But stuff that you must use things that on don't even don't even don't make. even make or okay. I don't uh, know. Like, do you ski? Do you bike? You know, there must yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. For so for for skiing, yeah, for skiing, I have a I have a piece of Acterix that I like. Uh, so so I so I do that. Uh, I have a lot of things um, for kids that on still yeah. don't do which I like for my children uh, so there is a, a brand called uh, Namuk that has really good ski stuff for I, little, yeah. little kids uh, so I use them a lot for, for my children as well and it's great I know it well I, in fact Franz who's the CEO has been on this uh, pod podcast oh nice yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, I, I love their stuff sometimes like can you just make it a bit bigger and, and I want it as well uh, but unfortunately it fits my kids only yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay great great so what book would you advise somebody to read if they wanted to have a leadership position within the sports and the outdoor industry, or it can be just generally, it doesn't need to be specifically linked to the sports and outdoor industry. I think uh, there is a book called Tower of Coaching that we made. Um, What's, we, it, what's the name? Tower to? of Coaching. Tower, okay. Yeah, that's a great book, um, a little bit about um, kind of relationships and leadership. I think uh, we talk a little bit about women. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a very popular one, but I think the, the Michelle Obama book is something that is very interesting to read in terms of resilience and, and, and believing in yourself. Uh, and then there is another book which I like, which is called Atomic Habit. Yes. And that connects maybe a little bit more about this liking or, or not liking the, 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 the multitasking and how do you create habits and how do you juggle between everything. I think it's a very powerful way to look at things. What's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received? I think once someone told me to try and limit the, the feel of regret, I think the feel of regret is something that can only play against people. I, I should have done this or, you know, I should have looked at that or I should have spoken to that person in this way. Um, I think limiting that feeling and almost like blocking it from being part of your reality is something that can definitely help you feel more comfortable with the actions that you take. So if today was your last day here at ON, what message would you give your team? I would probably thank them massively and make sure that they 
know that they're doing something that I don't know any other company that was able to do it. Um, and I would also tell them that they've been mentors and leaders to me as much as I am to them. Uh, and I would probably also say that they should continue to lead with the why as the first thing they think about as and as long as they lead with the why i'm sure that everything that they do would turn out to be the right thing and if you could give future leaders of the sports and outdoor industry three pieces of advice what would they be the the, the why idea is something that i would definitely give and provide i think it's extremely powerful um, and I think as long as you're very much connected to why you're doing certain things, A, there will be the right things and B, it would be much easier to also share and explain. I think the other piece of advice would be about challenging yourself, challenging your team, challenging your company to do things in a different way, to really challenge that status quo. Um, to really try to break any boundary um, that is possible if you think it is the right one to break. And the third thing is to, to believe in relationships and in the power of people um, as the core glue that enables company to achieve the what they want to achieve. Rebounding quickly off the, the second advice there. So you said about, you know, being willing, ready to challenge mm -hmm. and challenge essentially could be your boss, your company. I think there are a lot of topics sometimes, particularly in this day and age around sustainability yeah. that employees would like to, and maybe sometimes don't feel brave enough, strong enough to do. What would you tell somebody like that's thinking that's sitting there, oh, you know, I don't know, I don't have the confidence to to tell my boss that we should be doing this or or yeah, they're, yeah, they're just afraid to maybe raise their hand or raise their voice. Is there anything? I know that I guess this is a fourth piece of advice, but so I'm changing the goalposts. But no, probably I will tell I will ask why. Like if you tell me now that they are afraid or they don't feel the confidence, I still don't know why, right? So why are they afraid? Why don't they feel confidence, right? Uh, I think asking that question and understanding what prevents them can very much help them and maybe me to find the right ways to do that, right? Uh, because there are different reasons why people don't feel the confidence. From my experience, many times people are afraid of doing something like that and then they actually decide to do that and then they realize it was a really good step. So um, I would try to challenge that feeling and see whether it's a feeling or it's a reality. So last question. Um, so the goal of this podcast is really to help people along their own career journey to benefit from the lived experiences, successes, failures of others. So is there anything, well, considering that goal, is there anything today that, I should have asked or that we should have covered that we haven't that you would like to share? 
I think we talked a lot about, um, you know, what it takes to 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 be confident, to be brave, to 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 work really on what matters. And I think these are all very important um, elements. I think on the topic of of psychological safety, I would just maybe reinforce that message to people in any working environment that relationships within a working environment are extremely important and should be treated like any other relationship that you have outside of the working environment. Um, And I would encourage everyone to think about these relationships in this way and and to invest in them um, because that is what leads to success, fulfillment and 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 fun that 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 people should have and strive in a in a in a working environment. So back to the power of people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Great. No, thank you very much. Thank you. It's it was been great a pleasure to... to talk. I think you've shared a lot of really useful insights for many people. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank and you very much for having me. No thank worries. you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. We love to read your feedback. So please leave your thoughts in the comments below. Thanks again for your support. See you soon. And don't forget to subscribe.